This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Well, welcome along. It's an easy job doing a podcast when all is going well, but when it's back to the wall and the results are not going our way, shrimp net, shrimp net even is the play. I'll start again. That was I can't even say the name of the bloody <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm at it. I wouldn't mind, but it's St Patrick's Day. I'm at a Guinness yet? <laughs> Dear God! Right, start again. And well, thank, welcome along. It's an easy job doing a podcast when all is going well at Morecambe Football Club, but when it's backs to the wall and results are not going our way, Shrimpnet is the place to come. So thanks for watching and listening as usual. And thank you for all your kind support when we see you on the terraces. Uh, today, as usual, we review the week's events. Uh, and joining the Chuckle Brothers, uh, we have the enigmatic and quaffed boardroom supremo, James Wakefield. Welcome along, James. Hello, David. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Uh, and we're delighted that we also have the uh, midfield maestro, the hard-working and strong-running Shane McLaughlin. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Shane. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we will be joined later on by uh, Radio Lanks Coventry Supremo and also um, <laughs> recent, recent wrist, uh, wrist uh, exiled Derek Quinn. So when he joins us, uh, we'll just say hello and carry on going. But start as we mean to go on. I always take my glasses off at this point and uh, we need to talk about the week's events. We'll start with Cheltenham last Saturday, Joel. Um, and uh, uh, on the positive side, we started really well against Cheltenham. Yeah, I thought it was quite an even first half, really. I don't think either side really deserved to be ahead at half time and then. The goal itself is just a bit of a freak, really. It's you know a shot from range, and I think it might. I think it's Bedoya who's who's yeah, yeah. tried to block, and he's got the block in. Unfortunately, it's just kind of looped up quite weirdly and just gone quite sharply over over Trevor's head. So you know, not what you need going into half time, and then obviously straight afterwards, uh, uh, can see from a long throw, and I think from there, you know, it just is a big uphill battle. But then I think after that, I thought we showed a lot of fight and some really good play to kind of come back into the game. Obviously, after that goal mouth scramble where I don't know how the ball didn't go in, but then made up for it a couple of minutes later with uh, with Cole obviously finding a bit of space. I think it was actually Shane's ball over the top. And uh, yeah, Cole finding a bit of space, working a bit of room and getting the ball across it to Greg Lee. But yeah, and after I thought maybe Cheltenham... They took the sting out of the game quite well. Maybe the referee was a little bit uh, bit soft on, on that kind of stuff, letting them maybe take the mick a little bit. But overall, you know, they, they have taken the sting out of the game and got a third, which is a shame. But yeah, I think they deserve to really deserve to win over, on the, the overall balance of play. Maybe not, but they were good in key moments and they came with a, a game plan which seemed to work quite well. Yeah, I thought I thought we had a really a really strong twenty minutes in the second half when it was uh, two nil, uh, and and I thought we played pretty well, but then, and, and it's not a criticism. It was just basically we brought we brought John Abeka on, we brought John Ray Younger on, and we went 
a lot more direct. And the one thing Cheltenham dealt with brilliantly was they had three centre-halves on already and they brought another one on. So they had four on in the end. So they were winning all the headers. And uh, and they with Alfie May up front, they broke quite well, didn't they? So it, it, was, it was no surprise when they got a third, really. But James, your thoughts on the Cheltenham game? Yeah, a bit like Joel, um, and you know the risk of sounding like you sound after lots of three or two one um, losses this season. Um, it, it could easily have been a very different result. You know, we, we we scored a goal, we came back into it, we were on top. We should have we should have probably had a penalty. Didn't get the penalty, um, and then they, you know they 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 get us when we're stretched because we're chasing the game. But that that game could be two all or one two or two one or three one or one three in, on on any on any given any given Saturday. So. It's not. It's, it annoyed me that people didn't rate the, the performance levels in that game because I actually thought that everybody worked hard. I thought, thought everybody really put a shift in. Um, and as, as I say, I don't think the result could have gone any any way at all. I'm going to just quickly mute myself because the daughter has just walked in with a beer. <laughs> Say hello. <laughs> good girl, good girl. That is, that is, she's literally just sneaked in with a beer. Um, but yeah, anyway, on any given Saturday, that result is different. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And and Shane, from from the team's point of view, you you quite rightly looked a knackered and b crestfallen at the final whistle because you'd all put a shift in and it, it just didn't come off, did it? No, it was very frustrating game. As you said, first half it was pretty even. I felt like we we edged it maybe in terms of the play, but chance wise, there wasn't many for either side really up until the goal. And even then, I'm not sure what you call that a big chance took a massive deflection and looped over yeah. which just seems like that type of thing is happening to us too often at the moment that's kind of knocked the stuffing out of us but again second half to start the second half like that when we're trying to build up a bit of momentum that doesn't help does it no definitely not but like I say we had a good a decent 20 minute spell where we did everything but score and then <laughs> uh, Greg Lee nearly contrived to miss that one on the line, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, we've we done well to, to get back into the game and not kind of let the game go at that time. Because Cheltenham, to be fair to them, they are kind of, they're a streetwise team. Yeah, They know what they're doing when they're in the lead and they were slowing the game down and kind of playing on the ref, playing on the crowd, kind of frustrating us. So I think we dealt with the first kind of spell of it well, but once that second goal didn't come, I think they they dealt with it well. They they took the sting out of it completely. And as you said, brought on extra centre halves. They were just heading everything out, trying to counter us. So yeah, it was difficult into the game. And it, it's a strange one because it, it it's as a as a home fan and watching an away team do the dark arts on you. It's always incredibly frustrating. But as an away fan, when your team's doing that. Yeah, you stood there laughing your head off and applauding, going, "Oh look, he's oh look, he's taking, he's doing that. He's been substituted and he's running, but he's not. He's walking slower than he would normally." Exactly. Yeah. You know, as you said, every team needs a bit of that, and at the yeah. right times in the in the games, it can def it can see you over the line a lot of the time because that frustration level. Maybe they pick up free kicks from frustrating us, and we go into a tackle because you're kind of too hyped up for it. There's there's loads of things that go on like that. And as you say, it's streetwise, the dark arts, whatever you want to call it. They did it brilliantly. And I, I, as, as quite rightly, as both James and Joel have said, I think on the, on the balance of the, the chances created, it, was, it, it, could have been, it could have been different on a different day, but it is what it is. So we'll move on now to uh, Tuesday night. 
which again, and I'll, I'll start exactly the same with Joel. Uh, we started really well at Shrewsbury, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that in, in many ways there were quite a few similarities between the first half of Cheltenham and the first half of Shrewsbury. I think the only difference was Shrewsbury had more of the ball uh, on Tuesday and we had more, more of the ball against Cheltenham on, on Saturday. But ultimately, the whole kind of delay of chances throughout the game, obviously Wilding's had a good chance and Bowman's had a good chance, but that's about it for the whole half. And there, there wasn't really much, anything really clear-cut aside from that. It was quite even. And then in the stroke of half-time, obviously similarly to Cheltenham, they get the goal. And then straight after half-time, they get another one. And I think the difference was, instead of, you know, unfortunately we weren't quite able to kind of get ourselves back into the game from that point. Obviously, quite shortly afterwards, they then add the third. And, you know, that's kind of, it kind of feels a bit kind of game over at that point, you know. And I think at that point, you know, when, when, when it, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe obviously Shane probably can speak better about this, but obviously when, when the kind of the goal just before half-time and just after half-time hits for a second game in the row after you've done it the first time then for, and could have come back from that a bit, then when it happens the second time, it, I, I imagine it's just like, oh, for God's sake, like it must like really knock the stuffing out of you. So, you know, it was always going to be hard to come back from that position again. And unfortunately, I think, you know, when, when games end up kind of 4 or 5 nil, often it's like, it's just kind of momentum gets carried away towards one team, and then they start hitting. You know, they start popping them in from like, you know, outside the area. Obviously, we saw with the third and stuff like that. You know, so the way and then yeah, the way that the confidence and the momentum kind of went, it kind of just took it to five nil really. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of obviously, yes, five nil. You can't argue with that in the end, uh, and we probably didn't cover ourselves in glory, but couple of incidents. First of all, 40 seconds into the second half. Uh, didn't look like a penalty to us, James. Um, we were there live. Were you watching? Were you there? What did you think? I was watching um, and so I, I, had the, I had the benefit of being able to rewind and watch three three times whilst, um, whilst they, they set the penalty up. You know, this was one of those decisions. I think, I think the, the one thing I would say about Tuesday night is on the balance of play, on XG, on all the data, they did deserve to win that game. There's no, there's no, no argument, no question, no, no, no sort of um, protesting, really. I don't think that was a penalty. But to be fair, they went on and created decent chances for the rest of that half. Um, but it does knock the stuffing out of you. And I, again, I, I, I felt for the players the other night because I think that a lot of people reacted very emotionally to the result, which is absolutely understandable and fine. But there's been no lack of application of effort over the course of the, the last few games. And, and the other night, it's, it's one thing being, being down to Doncaster and, and having the benefit of a half-time team talk and being able to go out and just go for it on the back of that team talk. But, you know, to, to lose two goals so quickly in that second half, one to a penalty, which is iffy, and then one to, you know, a worldie in the top corner, I mean, how, how do you lift yourself from that when you're playing against a team that's then thinking, you know what, we're safe now. This is, this is our chance to show the fans something for half, half an hour of, of enjoyable football. And it was just a, it was just a, a crap night. And, and that happens in football. That's life, doesn't it? It is, yeah. And, and uh, I'll come to you now, Shane. Obviously, you were, you were there. Um, you played. Um, there was no point in complaining about it now, but the, the possibility of... You know, it wasn't a penalty, Jacob. What did Jacob say? Did it hit him on the chest? 
I don't he I don't think he thought it was a penalty at the time. I couldn't see from where I was. I was kind of baffled at the decision at the time. But again, for us at the moment it just seems like anything that happens it goes against us. As you said, with the Cheltenham I thought we should have had a penalty. Bolton should have had a penalty. Yeah. And then you see that one and you're thinking, How can a ref give that? <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not put his hand up. If it does hit his arm, his arms are next to him. So I don't know what what to do. But I think that was an accumulation maybe after that. As you said, just before and after half time, two games in a row. Concede late, late against Bolton. It's I think yeah, it just completely knocked something out of us, which it shouldn't do. But it is it's it's, it's difficult when things are going against you like that to try and galvanise yourself. Well, um, for that spell, they, they got on top of us for that spell. So I've got to the third goal, and obviously the cross came in. You headed it away, and we've seen it again since. I didn't notice at the time, but their guy clattered you after you'd headed it. I asked the ref that. He said, no chance. This is a challenge for the ball. And I, I'm, I'm going to go now to, we were 2-0 down at Lincoln, and we get a corner, and... Cole and their centre-half have a bit of a tangle. Their centre-half falls down. Jacob Beddow puts it in and he gives a free kick. Yeah. And disallows the goal. And I'm like, well, that's absolutely no different. So, I think that's the, that's the frustrating thing, though, isn't it? Where you see it happen in one game, you don't get it. You see it in another game, someone else gets it. You want that consistency, don't you? So you know what's allowed and what's not allowed. But you don't always get that. But you can't, you can't hope for that either. Because if, if you go around hoping that the refs are going to give you something, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, we have been, haven't we? Let's yeah. be fair. You know, um, I mean, you look at the, uh, go back go back to the, um, you know, and and you, you do say, it, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it evens itself out over the season. And probably looking at it, we scored not two, not two brilliant goals at Accrington to get us 2-0 up. But then again, we conceded two goals, which could have been disallowed at Accrington. But when you go back to it, you look at that decision at Doncaster when Greg Lee got rugby tackled by their keeper. <laughs> And he give it, he give a goal kick. I know. It's like so you've got to laugh, really, haven't you? So you have to, but it, it's got to be hard in that situation to sort of motivate yourself when you look around at your teammates and they've just got the third goal. And like you say, it was a, a worldie in the top corner, and all of a sudden you're thinking we're up against it here. And yeah, everybody says, "Oh, we need we need leaders, we need motivators, and what have you." But you. You've just said it yourself. After the the Bolton last ninety fifth minute, the Cheltenham not getting the penalty when maybe you should have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This all plays on your mind. It's mind games, isn't it? I think even subconsciously, it's just it it it, it wins you. It, it just knocks you completely, and it's not easy to get back up to. And in a lot of games, I think we have been able to come back stronger. As you said, with the Donny at home game, I don't think anyone's seen that coming. But we had that feeling in the first half, and you kind of. We have that feeling every time, if we concede, that we do have the ability to get back into games. I think we've shown it in, in quite a few games. But I think they just, as you said, they put a top corner for 3-0 and they scored, was it three in 10 minutes maybe? Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, it's, it was tough. We needed to be more solid at the back, all of us, and maybe kind of try and slow the game down a little bit, try and gain the momentum back off them. But it's difficult when you're losing because you want to kind of up the momentum in your favour. But maybe you just need to take the sting out of it. And I was alluding, before we came on air, I was alluding to the fact that I was talking to a guy in the bar beforehand and he was a Shrewsbury fan. I said, oh, we, we've been playing all right, but not getting the results. And I said to him, so have we. 
<laughs> so, so and, and that's true, isn't it? it you know, you, you look at the way we played at Rotherham and got nothing, and the way we went to Bolton and only got a draw, and uh, you know, and there's been uh, yes, the, there was been a, there's been a if you like a drop in performances in particularly in the second half against Shrewsbury, but you, you can't fault the lack of effort from the chaps, and it perhaps it is just down to a, a little bit of luck, would you say? I think so, and the timing of goals is massive. I think you don't realise how much you have that team talk at half time and kind of you're trying to gear yourself up to get back into the game. And it is massive in the stages of games, especially at this time of the year. You kind of you want to make it as difficult as possible for teams you're playing against, obviously, and kind of get them kind of nervous. If that had stayed at one nil and maybe we got more into the game, the crowd might change. You might kind of get the, get on the front foot. So just that kind of knocks you back a lot. So I, I keep seeing there's a, a little a little a little thing there saying Derek Quinn's here. Is he there? Me, I'm here, but I've got no camera. You've got no camera. You don't need a camera. You, it says it says Derek Quinn. <laughs> I, I know why you've got no camera because you don't want to show us your wrists, Quinn. <laughs> no, no. Find a camera, but I can't. It's all right. It's fine. So thanks for joining us, Quinny. Um, your thoughts on the last couple of games? You've been listening to, uh, to to what Joel and James and Shane have had to say about the Cheltenham game, and I'm I'm sure you were you you were watching, and I'm sure you were watching, uh, and probably switched off early at Shrewsbury. Yeah. Well, some more the the Bolton game. I'm still disgusted that they didn't get a penalty. Absolutely, we've seen some bad decisions over the years, please, haven't we? But that must be up there in the top five worst decisions we've ever had in the 30-odd years we've been going down there. And I watch it back, and I still watch it back now, what, 10 days after, and I still cannot believe that that was not a penalty. And then the same again on, uh, on against Cheltenham. How oh, that wasn't a penalty, Dylan Connolly again, you know. Just, he could have had two penalties. You know, and like James, I rewound it, and I kept going forward and going back. How are they not penalties? But... And then Shane's got it right. The timings of the goals that we've conceded have been awful just before half-time and just after time. That kills you. That's, that's two games that we've done that. But all season, those late goals have absolutely killed us from the first game of the season at Ipswich. You know, it's been that way all the year through. And it must be... So, wait, it's frustrating for us. It must be so frustrating for the players as well. Which then gives me to another point, Freeze, about the time-wasting and seeing games out and, and being yeah. professional. Uh, maybe we're not. You know, maybe we're too nice. Maybe we you know the, the Cheltenham keeper was was time wasted after forty six minutes on Saturday. Yeah. You know, at least the referee put six minutes up extra, but some some of them haven't done this year. But maybe we should be a bit bit, bit more like that, a bit more savvy, a bit more a bit more obnoxious in some ways than, than be like other clubs. James, I, I'm sorry. I just you know, Farney dropping his medical equipment all over the pitch, such that the Bolton players had to chuck it off this season. And then last season, Les going and moving the balls. Moving the balls for the long Advertising hoardings and being caught by the referee. <laughs> I honestly think we played this game as well. And it's just very frustrating when, when it's played against us, it's played against us well. But yeah, Farney's medical equipment all over the area. That was just last week. <laughs> I forgot about that one, to be honest. That's comedy gold. That is too nice. He wouldn't have done that on purpose, James. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that was that was that was definitely real. <laughs> <laughs> that was by orders. That was a that was an order. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and I take your point, Derek. It is frustrating to watch. 
and like you say, the Cheltenham guys, they got they got a couple of corners in about the sort of 65th minute or something like that. And I, I had it on, I just thought, I'll just test it. And two corners took four minutes to take. Because yeah. that, 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 a guy walked to it to take it and then put it down and the fullback walked right across and walked. And the referee, and everybody was moaning and moaning and it took four minutes. And then we headed the corner away and cleared it and then they attacked again and we put it out for another corner. And that took another minute and a half. And it was like, for God's sake, this is like pulling teeth. But it's what they do, isn't it? It's what we do. We, I mean, we were absolutely superb at it, you know, in, in, in some games. It's just, I can't remember the games because we haven't won that many. Sorry. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? So, um, so we'll come to Shane now. Um, Shane, I, 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 I haven't mentioned it up to now, but I'll I, I say... I, we had a we had a, a, a new gentleman uh, who came in the crowd against Cheltenham, and we were telling him who all the players were. And uh, <laughs> and at number nineteen, he was born in the Bronx, <laughs> and uh, you know his reaction. I can't repeat it on here. There's children, <laughs> this children listed, and it was like, no, seriously, he was born in the Bronx and moved. To, you, you moved to you moved back to back to Ireland when you were five. Five, or six? yeah, when I was five. So so your your parents sort of like were in New York and then went home, or what happened? Uh, they. Both lived there for 20 plus years. They actually met out there. They're both Irish, but they met in yeah. America, ended up staying there for 20 odd years. And then I think my mom wanted to raise kids back in Ireland instead of in New York. So I don't think my dad had a choice, really. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And then obviously, um, you've, you've had some um, youth appearances for your, for your home country, which is obviously must be fantastic at, at sort of like being 16, 17 and, and getting picked. Yeah, it was all an absolute honour, to be fair. I still have my first shirt from, I think I was 15, hanging on my bedroom wall back home, so that's quite nice. Still doesn't fit me, but it's quite nice to have. Was it Was it when they were really baggy then, or was it dead? Yeah, top? they were massive. As all right. Down to around my knees. So from that from then on, obviously, um, it, you, you got a contract at Ipswich, and then and then you were, you were picked up and really made a name for yourself at, at Wimbledon. Were you were you surprised um, when when it switched let you go, or were you just thinking I want to play football? I think looking back now, I think I overstayed my welcome. Really, obviously going there as a kid, I got comfortable at the club. Felt like I wasn't really ready for maybe first team, like some players at eighteen, nineteen. Mm. So I was trying to like bide my time, get bigger, stronger, get better. But then by the time I was twenty, twenty one. I couldn't really see a pathway in and I think I had six months left on my contract and I asked them to would they terminate it and try and like find a different path in, in the game and that's when I went to Wimbledon thankfully that, they did to be fair they kind of they let me go on a free so they helped me as well with that. that that was quite a brave thing to do and that was quite mature really well yeah I, it's kind of what you have to do though I had two loan spells at Bromley before that in the conference so that was really my only taste. I made a couple of appearances at Ipswich, but nowhere near enough. And I felt like I'm 21 now. I need to start kind of making my own way in the game. And obviously you did really, really well at Wimbledon. And I know uh, Glenn Hodges and, uh, and what have you thought very highly of you there, didn't they? Yeah, ups and downs there as well. We've, we had some battles there, but thankfully we always came on on the right side of it by the end of the season. But yeah, it was an enjoyable time there. I think I spent two and a half years there. So was it was it an easy decision to sort of come north? Well, yeah. At, at the start, I wasn't sure where I was going to end up in the summer. I was 
can't really mention where, but I kind of agreed contract at a, at a club. And I talked to a few more, but deals fall through all the time, as, as I'm sure you know. Mm. And then pre-season it started and I, my agent had asked, Seam Robinson, could I come and train to stay fit? And I wasn't really looking to sign at that point. It was more just to get fit and see what happens. Mm. So I spent the week with the, with the lads in uh, Worcester. And then at the end of the week, they offered me a contract. So that worked out pretty well. Does that come as a surprise? It did, yeah. I wasn't expecting it because obviously the lads said, I think a week or two maybe done in pre-season already. I hadn't, I'd been doing my own training, but it's nowhere near the same. So I didn't feel like I was that up to speed, but obviously Robbo had seen something in me, so he offered me the deal. And, and look at the number of appearances you've made now. You've, uh, you've certainly cemented <laughs> your place, haven't you? Yeah, well, there's an element of luck in there as well and, and all that kind of right, right place, right time. I remember the first game, I think Aaron was supposed to start Wildig, but he got an injury in that week and that was me in. So I haven't really looked back since then, thankfully. And I know in the introduction, I, I, I did put the uh, hard working and hard running and, and that's, <laughs> that's definitely you in your game, isn't it? Because you you're all action. I think that's just the way I am, yeah. I don't think people might expect it from me because I don't think I look like someone who will be in your face and run, not trying to run over you. But I guess that's just the way I was brought up. So you've got, you've got an engine. Do you consider yourself pretty fit? Well, yeah, I think I'm just naturally fit, to be honest. I've always played every sport I could when I was a kid and probably trained the same amount as I did then that I do now with the different sports, different teams and that. So, yeah, something I, I pride myself on is kind of trying to outwork people and outrun people because it definitely gives you an advantage. Physically and mentally, I think, when you look at someone and you can see them getting tired and you make that run, they don't want to go with you again. And uh, looking at, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about talk about your headed goal uh, against Wimbledon, of all people. <laughs> uh, that was a beautiful finish. Uh, are you disappointed you haven't I've been on the score sheet more? Yeah. I, I know I've not scored too many goals since I've been playing in the first team. But growing up, I, I used to score a lot of goals at Ipswich as a kid. But then again, I was playing up front for a few years, so that might have been why. Yeah. But yeah, I'm disappointed. Assist and goal tally, I should should have a lot more, to be honest. So looking at you, you have played in, well, I mean, you look at Tuesday night, you were playing sort of right wing back. You played fairly consistently at Wimbledon as a full back. You've played fairly consistently for us in a sort of sometimes wide midfield, sometimes centre midfield role. Where do you think, and you've said you used to play for Ipswich up front, so... Apart from goalkeeper, where else would you consider? What do you think your best position is? I think centre mid, kind of on that right side of a, of a midfield three. If things were perfect, I think that kind of suits me because I can get forward from there, I can get back from there. And you kind of have a little bit of freedom when, when you've got people behind you. I don't think I'm a deep liar, to be honest. And I don't think I'm a out-and-out attacking player. I think kind of box-to-box from that right side. Yeah. So, but you, you like saying... You were when you were at Wimbledon. You were placed more placed mostly as a fullback, and obviously the last couple of games, Derek started you in a, a sort of like midfield five, or or we call it a back five. What does it, what do you call it? It can you can switch it interchangeably out of both of them. It's kind of when we have the ball, it's more of a midfield five. I'm guessing, kind of even pushing on in front of the midfield. And then when we're under pressure, you can drop back into that back five. It's very fluid out there, to be fair. I quite enjoyed out there. I probably played similar amount of games in midfield and kind of full-back, wing-back. 
in my career anyway at the moment. So I'm pretty comfortable out there. So it, it, before I move on to Joel, um, we said, obviously, St. Patrick's Day today. Uh, quite a few Irish accents in that um, <laughs> in, in the dressing room. Uh, we used to have, sort of like two or three seasons ago, we were predominantly Scousers, and obviously Scousers have got a, a well, most Scousers have got a connection to Ireland somewhere along the way. Uh, so we're not that different, really. But you, what, what's what's it like in the dressing room at the moment? Are people getting fed up, or are we all, uh, you know, are we still thinking we can go to Wigan and get something, and we can still get? There's eight games to go for crying out loud. Exactly. For all the doom and gloom, there's one point separating us at the moment. So it's it's not the end of the world. I know it feels like that at the moment, but. When you when you break it down and, and actually look at it, there is one point in, in us at the moment and anything can happen. As you've seen all season, you can beat anyone any given day. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, not a, it's not a given when you look at fixtures and think, oh, they might have an easier one. It's not like that in this league and it never will be. Anything can happen. So, yeah, I think there is confidence. Obviously, that a lot of frustration in the building after the last few results, but I think that's only natural and, and you need that as well to try and kind of spur you on. But, I think there is a lot of belief in the squad. And when you look around at each other, you're kind of thinking, we have enough to do this. We have more than enough to do this. We shouldn't be in this type of position in the first place. And we, we've all been, obviously, you as a professional, but obviously Derek and the rest of us, we've all been watching long enough to know that it only takes one piece of luck at Wigan on Saturday and we, we come away with a 1-0 win. And all of a sudden, you start believing in yourself again. And, and confidence is key, isn't it? I think that... Other teams looking at that, even if we... I don't care if they have 99% possession, 100 shots, and we win 1-0. Just, it gives you that extra something going into the next game. Teams are going to think they're on their run now. It's just psychological, anything, any little edge. So, as I said, more than confident that we can go make it difficult for them, as we did in the home game, to be fair. I think we were unlucky in that one. So, uh, we know what yeah. they're about. I, I could point to James McLean, uh, handball uh, in <laughs> Yeah. Again, and it, it hit his arm, dropped, and he cleared it when Ryan McLaughlin was right behind him and in. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not bitter. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully things will even themselves out over the season. So there's a few games left for that to happen. Yeah, there is. We're only due about 17 penalties in eight games. Be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Joel, I'll, I'll hand you over to Joel now. I'll, I'll probably ask you far more probing questions. No problem. I was just going <laughs> to say, like, a uh, Going to Wigan on Saturday, I think that the narrative is there that we've just lost 5-0 to Shrewsbury, who've scored something like less than a goal a game this season. So, obviously, that definitely means we're going to win 3-0 on Saturday. I, I don't really see it in the outcome. <laughs> That's just how it works. I think, firstly, I, I was going to go back, though, to uh, uh, what Free said about the running. Do, do you ever get tired? <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah. I will say I do, but I do think it's a lot mental is a big, big side of it. I just feel like if you keep pushing through that pain barrier that there's always something extra in there that you don't know you have and that's kind of what I keep trying to do because I, I, hearing you speak before it sounds like it's kind of something that, that ability to just kind of run quite a lot I, I compared it on Twitter the other week to being kind of a marathon runner and a sprinter at the same time but uh, <laughs> just that kind of ability to drive through is that something that you've kind of always just worked on throughout your whole life really and it <sighs> I would say so I think just in my family is pretty fit um, all, both my siblings there are pretty sporty people as well. I think it's just in, in my in my genes, really. I'm, I'm happy you said sprinter as well. Not many people give me the credit. I think I'm one of the quickest out there as well. I don't look it, but when I get going, I can be pretty quick. There we go. So uh, kind of obviously looking at, to, 
into where you where you've been playing. Obviously, you, you, you said that you, you prefer the field with those kind of roles. That when you would when you move between between them, how do you how do you kind of adjust and what do you kind of see as the main differences between kind of playing in the centre and playing out wide? Um, I feel like in a way, out wide is you have kind of more of the pitch to to look at and. You have the touchline at your back is one way I was kind of taught that you never you should never get closed down by that. You always have like space to open into. So as one thing, the thing I find the most difficult is kind of getting back in the defensive line and making sure I'm in front of my centre half so I'm not keeping everyone onside. Because it's something I've not done that often this season. So that took a little bit of adjusting to and kind of positionally where to be in regards to their wingers and stuff. Whereas with the amount of games I played in centre mid this year, kind of lose it a little bit at the start but it takes takes a few minutes to kind of get back into the rhythm of it but I think I'm there now hopefully so with those kind of roles you've played because I think you alluded to it a bit before in that at youth team level you were you were playing it up front so was that kind of like gradually being moved back and, and did your coaches maybe say to you you know what we think you've got attributes that are better suited to the field um I originally came to England as a centre mid but they kind of pushed me more forward. It was kind of as an attacking mid that they seen when I was younger. And then it was just, there was no strikers left, basically. The under-21s at Ipswich, and they ended up putting me up front. And I scored a few goals, so I ended up staying there for a few years. But I always wanted to kind of come back into a more box-to-box midfielder because I felt like with, they said, like, with the energy I, I like to bring to a game, I think it suited me more being able to go up and down. I felt like I was kind of trying to contain myself when I was up there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the, the kind of bringing energy to a game. Is that because I, I think a lot of people have kind of watched your performances this season and seen that and kind of felt that having you in the field does give us that kind of extra bit of tempo. Is that kind of something that you kind of set out to do or was given as an instruction to you as a manager? Um, yes, I know. I think it's just kind of part of the way I play anyway. And like, I like to think. I'm very good technically, but I think my biggest attribute is energy and kind of getting around the pitch and putting people under pressure and that that side of it. But I think it's just the way I play and I think managers obviously see that and they see your strengths and they kind of ask you to go with that. So also kind of picking up on something you said before, though, obviously uh, you mentioned when you did originally come over from Ireland. So how, but you, I, th- I was looking at your, your Wikipedia earlier, and, and you looked like you came over at quite a young age. So what was that like to kind of adjust? Because it's quite a long way to go from not not only to move over the uh, over the channel. Uh, is it a channel? I don't know. Uh, over the uh, over the Irish <laughs> Sea. Irish Sea. Sorry, I'm getting. I can't remember what the water's called. Sorry, but uh, it's all right. Moving, moving over there, over to England. Not over only over to England. Quite far down south, down in Ipswich. So what's that kind of like making the move at that age? Um. I think first couple of weeks I struggled a little bit, which is understandable, but thankfully I've never really been homesick. I got to grips with it pretty quickly. I think it's just, I had in my head what I wanted to do as a kid, and it's since three or four years old I wanted to do this, so I was like, I'm going to put everything into it. And one thing that helped was a lot of Irish players and staff were at Ipswich at the time, so that did help a lot. It was like a little home from home there, so I think that helped me settle in very quickly. Yeah, no, I bet, yeah, and I think Something else you mentioned earlier about your agent contact uh, saying getting in touch with Stephen Robinson, obviously saying about potentially training. So that that seems almost like quite an odd link, actually, because doing a bit of like part-time training 
but having been in Wimbledon previously with a club from uh, North Lancashire. So how did that kind of come about? Uh, it's the same agent as Ryan Delaney. So I'm, I think he had just signed here and I'm guessing they were in contact over that and he just kind of was asking me, will I go and train somewhere to stay fit? Well, kind of telling me to go do it. And I was asking him, where can I go? And I think it just kind of it kind of fell on onto that quite luckily, to be fair. Very interesting. Yeah, cheers. Back over to you, Freeze. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, for next next week we'll uh, we'll buy uh, Joel an atlas so that he knows where the North Sea <laughs> yeah, Channel is the and the sea, Irish Sea. Because if uh, Shane came over the Channel, he'd come, he'd gone from Ireland to France and then <laughs> well, maybe maybe when maybe when the holiday first. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? He might have been training. He might have been training in Northern France and then thought, you know, I'll try Northern England instead. So, we're looking ahead to the weekend. We've already touched on it briefly. Uh, Wigan Athletic, um, high flying, four points behind Rotherham, but still well clear of everybody else. It looks like them and Rotherham, are, uh, if they carry on in the present form, uh, they've got games in hand. They're going to they're gonna be going up. They were a, a difficult prospect, but I thought we played pretty well in the home game, Joel, and we're unlucky to lose 2-1, really, in the end. Yeah, we did play really well. Uh, um, yeah, I think I think you, you're right. We were we were a bit lucky in, in the end, especially obviously, like you say, with that penalty not being given. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how football is. You know, we've we've we. I mean, I remember when we were back in back in League Two, obviously struggling down at the bottom there. It was it was quite frequent that we'd you know not quite manage it against the teams in and around us, but then go to top of the league or whatever, and then beat them. So. The same could probably happen in this league. It's, yeah, it's a funny sport. We'll just have to kind of see, keep our fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, but it'll be difficult, no doubt about it. Uh, one good thing, I think they're missing Callum, Callum Lang. He uh, very uh, kindly of him decided to get himself suspended against his former club. So yeah. uh, cheers for that, Callum. We appreciate it. But uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, we'll be able to pull off a result. I think uh, you've seen a couple of my tweets, James. Um, uh, after the Shrewsbury defeat, I just said, look, nobody's died. We, we're of the same mind. Nobody's died. Uh, we move onwards. And with football, you're only as good as your last game, but then you're only as good as your next game as well. And anything can happen. And it's just typical, Joel's alluded to it there, it's just typical of us as a club to go there and probably surprise people. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think people draw conclusions from all sorts of things, most of which are... Um, I want to use the word that starts with B and end with, ends with ox, but like people draw conclusions for the wrong, from the wrong things. I think that um, if football is a, is a game of incredibly fine margins, there weren't many so many fine margins on Tuesday night, but there were lots last Saturday. We've played well against the top teams typically. Um, we, we 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 got stuck by Sunderland, but um, you know, arguably they're not a top team actually. They, 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 they're, <laughs> they're not in in all about it actually. Um, but we we play well against the teams at the top. Play well against Wigan, well against Rotherham, well against Wigan. Um, so I, I genuinely don't think we've got anything to fear. And I, I just think that people are just. I, I know the best thing about football is that it's emotional, and the worst thing about football is that it's emotional. Like you know, when it's good, it's wonderful, and when it's bad, people see all sorts of things or and and and, and take all sorts of conclusions that just aren't aren't what they saw. But the emotion clouds the judgment. You know, we, we, there's nothing to stop us going and winning against Wigan on Saturday. Absolutely nothing at all. You know, the, 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 the team, the squad knows it's good enough to compete with the best. And we know we haven't had the run of the green. I don't like us looking back and 
worrying about refereeing decisions from three weeks ago, worrying about the, the luck we didn't have in November. Like, that's, that's not helpful. It's not going to do anything for us. But we know that, you know, on any given game, any, any given Tuesday night or Saturday afternoon, we've got no Tuesday night games left. We can beat teams. So we just have to go out on the pitch and beat them. It's that, it's that simple. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work to bemoan about bad luck or to worry about the games that we've got to come because that's nonsense. Like, the games we've got to come, unless we're playing a team that's trying to get promoted or a team that's trying not to get relegated, there's a whole load in the middle that, you know, doesn't really matter what happens. But that doesn't necessarily inform a game either. So I just think going to every game, try and win every game, ignore all of the nonsense, all of the noise, and don't give up. Like, literally, never, ever, ever, ever give up. I hate giving up. I hate it when people lose that hope because it's a nonsense. We've got eight games, 24 points. We could easily win four of these eight games and then we're safe. Well, is that when Derek came on last week, he said, I said, we've got 10 games left. What do you want to do? And he said, I want to win all 10. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's the right attitude, isn't it? Yeah. And from what from what you're saying, um, Shane, that's that's the, got to be the attitude in, in the dressing room, hasn't it? Hundred percent, yeah. It's, uh, anything can happen, and that is the beauty of football. You, you never know. But there is there is a lot of frustration, which I think is a good thing at the moment because hopefully that will turn into a good performance and an angry performance, which I think we need at the moment. Mm. Kind of yeah, rip yeah. between the teeth and just to grind out something. And then once you get win, one win, things change. Mindsets change, the feeling changes, momentum, everything. So just got to go, go all in on the weekend and, and see what we can do. And, and Quinny, are you back on the mic on Saturday for this uh, Latics clash? <clears throat> no, I'm not back on the mic for a few weeks, but I will be there. I'm definitely going to the game. So uh, I'm going to just keep away from that for a while. Are you, are you, you're not walking there, are you? <laughs> not at the minute. Might be a bit unbalanced, but uh, we'll, we'll catch up on the walk at some stage. I tell you, we'll, we're back on it at some stage, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, I'll be there. And we just, as I said, just need to have every faith that we can pick some wins up. You know, do you remember Barnet two or three years ago, Freeze? I think they won yeah. eight of their last nine games. Yeah. You know, and Newport the year before that, they won something like seven of the last ten. You just got to get that belief, get get a win. A win on Saturday would be massive because, you know, the clubs around us, they're not, we're still only one point away, so we're two points away. So that's what we need. Going to the game, it's going to be tough. We know it's going to be tough, but hey, you know, it's 11 against 11, as you say, all the cliches I can use. But <laughs> get, the, get the first goal and who knows after that. You're quite right, because the one thing that is worth mentioning to everybody is obviously the form, the form of, uh, of Gillingham and Crewe and Fleetwood and everybody else has been absolutely atrocious. Just like we've been... Um, I, did, I did like... Somebody, somebody put on Twitter Morecambe's last 10 games and they put yellow for a draw and red for a loss and it was yellow-red, 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 yellow-red. And a mate of mine went and I went, isn't that Granite Xhaka for Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> Which are yellow, red, yellow, red. I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite good. But like, so we've been picking draws up and other teams have been picking draws up. The only issue that I have is that, you know, Fleet would have to play, Fleet would have to play, I think they play Crew, and I think they play Gillingham. And so they both can't lose. So we've got to start picking up points. That's my only point. Uh, but, you know, if we could start Saturday, that would be absolutely smashing. But, you know, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. They're going to be backed by a fairly sizable crowd. They're cruising. 
they've had some good results. They beat Crew midweek 2-0 uh, and apparently, you know, were pretty comfortable. As you've said, the missing Callum Lang, who was outstanding against us on that sort of right-hand side up front, Joel. Uh, so they will miss him, but they've got some really, really capable players. Really capable players. But we've got nothing to lose, have we, Shane? Exactly. At the moment, doom and gloom, as I said. So there's, it's, it's a dangerous thing to write teams off as well. So hopefully that's, if anyone's looking from the outside in, can write us off and we can prove them wrong. Because we're yeah. more than capable of doing it. I hope so. I think so that, that, that's an important point as well, because we're used to being written off. Mm. And normally we're written off with two or three or four games to go. There's eight games left. It's an absolute nonsense to write a team off with eight games left within a point of safety. Like, it's, it, it, it's not logical. So brilliant that people are writing us off. I've listened to podcasts up and down, these League One podcasts and... Like literally, we're we're down. We're we're dead and buried. Which if we were three games left and a you know ridiculous goal difference to overhaul, but we're not right games. We're a point. Mm. Like brilliant that people are writing us off. Like write us off all you like because that's that's just motivation. Yeah, you're right. And it, it, you know, as a football fan, I suppose you always sort of like prepare for the worst and hope for the best, don't you? And that's what we've just kind of carry on doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, like, there's so much, so much football left to play, and and the squad knows it's it's, it's got it in it to, to win games, and um, and knows it should have won more games in the last ten or twelve than, than it has. At some point, we're going to get a lucky victory. At some point, it's going to be like 0.2 xg to 5 xg, and we're going to win two nil. And I, I I will love that point but... with with a, with a penalty and a deflection. <laughs> oh God, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a penalty we don't deserve and a, and a deflection. Shane, <clears throat> like, who yeah. cares? Absolutely but... horrific dive from Dylan Connolly. <laughs> Brilliant, honestly. I, 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 yeah, exactly that. Cole might go down easily for once. You know, like, <laughs> something, something like that. We might win three 0 with three goals we don't deserve, and who cares? Like, yeah, yeah. Just need that that win. So move on to Derek. Derek, uh, you were going to come on um, earlier than this to talk about your million steps for charity, but um, you, you had a, one particular fall on your holidays, which has set that back a bit. Tell, talk us through that. Well, I had a month off, Dave, which is great. Before I start a new job, I had 10 days in Tenerife and the rest of the month here. And then on day eight in Tenerife, I'd done 300,000 steps. I was absolutely smashing it. And then I'd love to say I did something heroic, like save a cat from a burning building, but I fell over a bollard and bought broken wrists. <laughs> <laughs> was this in broad daylight or what? It was at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. A bollard, I just didn't, didn't see him with my sunglasses on, and that was it. Smashed both my wrists. I had to stay in Tenerife to get operated on, get some plates and some staples in my wrists and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so I've got, well, I've got more metal in my wrists than a Fiat 500 at the minute. So uh, we'll go from there, and it's uh, yeah, it was it was pretty painful, pretty embarrassing, but uh, and the the walk I'll have to think of another way, but I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it. It won't be in a month, but it'll be. I've got to give myself twenty three days to finish the, the seven hundred thousand steps. Don't know when those twenty three days will be, but we'll get we'll get them and we'll do it. Well, yeah, the good thing yeah. is you, you haven't broke your ankles. That's that's the good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, obviously, Obviously, a lot, loads of people I know have sponsored you, which is a fantastic thing that you're doing. But then, uh, when you when you showed me sent me that picture of you, I was like, "Oh my god, what have you done?" Because I just thought, like, you know, this didn't involve obviously Tenerife, 
it's nice and sunny, shorts, t-shirts, sunglasses, beer at 11 o'clock. Is that well, involved? You know me, freezing. I don't drink. I'm professional, as you know. I'm not car journey down to those games. But, uh, yeah, no drink was involved in, in the, uh, the injury. But yeah, I was smashing it. It was going really well. I felt fantastic. And I was looking forward to the next few, few weeks. You know, we've done like 150 miles in seven or eight days. It was just brilliant. And then, of course, this happened. So, uh, but, you know, as James always said, you can't sit back. You've got to go on, look forward to it, and just carry on and make sure you finish it. And that's what we'll do because I think the Memorial Garden is something for so long that I've been wanting to, to get up and running with the Shrimps Trust. And uh, I've just been in mind to do it. And we will do it. You know, when you see people like Ken Ormard and yeah. Peter, uh, Keith Bordell dying in the last few weeks, Dickie Danson and his family, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that we should be remembering. And uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing a Memorial Garden in place at the uh, Mazuma at some stage. Yeah, that'd be good. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> how are the wrists? Uh, so. <laughs> still swollen? Yeah, still swollen. Still got lots of stitches in. Still got lots of, well, I think the metal will stay in. My fingers move though now, so I can do two-fingered typing now. So I'm doubling my speed. Oh, well, that's good, because uh, yeah. um, there, was, there was much hilarity on our little WhatsApp board, because uh, Matty had said, I'll text Quinny, but he's not texted me back. <laughs> And I'm like, well, yeah, he wouldn't, would he? Because it's like, <laughs> just somebody a one say, finger job. Somebody didn't say who took the picture. It certainly wasn't me. I can guarantee you that. Oh, no, yeah, true. But yeah, so yeah, so we're getting faster. We're getting quicker all the time. Good. And when are you back on the mic then? Do you know? I don't know yet, but it's health and safety and things like that. Just, we've got to make sure everything's right. But I'm certainly going to the game Saturday. I'll be there and I'll be doing some reports for somebody, I'm sure, but uh, just not on the mic. So, uh, they, uh, if they say stand up if you love Morecambe, do the casts weigh you down? <laughs> I'll just sit down and put my hands up. You'll be able to see them from quite a way away. Yeah, quite probably. Well, good luck with that. Um, uh, I really hope you, you get to complete it because I know it's for a brilliant cause. I will do. There's, there's no hopes. I will, I will definitely finish it. Well, that's good. That's good news. Um, and James, I'm going to come to you now a little bit about what's going on in the background. Um, obviously, these are, are difficult times for a board uh, because, as I alluded to before, you've got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, haven't you? So, uh, from that point of view, nothing's sorted yet. So, I think you've got to look positively at the rest of the season and say, "Okay, um, we, you know, we've got a new manager in, uh, and Derek's doing his damnedest behind the scenes." And that's something I haven't touched on with Shane actually, in the fact that obviously, change of manager, it, it's. It's um, you know it wasn't our wasn't our idea to do that was it it wasn't of our making but we've made a pretty good fist of it. Um, looking at the rest of the season, you've just got to really sort of keep going and 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 keep the plans as they are, I suppose. Yeah, the plan doesn't change. You know, we we always said to be sustainable and competitive in League One by twenty twenty four, and that that remains the plan. And mm. um, we, we we plan for the worst, we plan for the best. Plan for plan for the likely. I, I, I will admit we've stopped planning our budget for the championship. Um, that is likely. <laughs> um, but you know, we always plan for best, worst, and best, worst, and likely, and that, that, that's 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 the way that's the way any good organisation runs itself. Um, but no, nothing's changed. Absolutely, nothing has changed. If a few bad results on the football pitch, you can only you can only control the controllables. You can't control what's not controllable. You can't control Dylan Connolly not getting a penalty. You can't control the ball, you know, looping off Jacob Beddoe's foot and going in the top corner. You can't control these things. So you control the, the, the stuff you can. Um, 
and that's all that's all going exactly as, as we wanted to in fact it's going best than we wanted to um just need um, just need some results on the football page but i think you know that that will come um but we've still got plenty of time left so yeah nothing changes absolutely nothing the plans are the same keep going and um, and, and come out the, come out the other end Perhaps, uh, you know, uh, please feel free to answer this in your own way, but there was uh, plenty of talk on one of the message boards about uh, there's one or two clubs, um, Wigan for one, and I can't remember the other one, who are already offering season ticket deals for next season. And obviously Wigan are fairly confident they're not going to be in the same division, but uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there was quite a, few, quite a few fans saying, why are we not doing the same? And I'm like, well... It's not something we've ever done, really. At the end of a season, is, is not think about season tickets till the till till you know you know where we are. I suppose is that right? We'll be a bit quicker this year. Um, we've already agreed what we're doing, um, and I suppose you know we, we came up into League One last year and we did something that nobody expected, and um, and you know we'll, we'll we'll put something in place for next season that we think is is is, is absolutely as it should be. Um, you know, we've said all along until that stadium's full. The prices shouldn't shouldn't move, and, um, and it's not full yet. So so yeah, we'll um, we'll come out pretty soon, um, and it won't matter what league we're in. And just as it didn't matter that we were coming up into League One last year when we reduced the prices, yeah. um, it, it's about getting people in Morecambe to understand what we're trying to do and understand that the club is something more than just a thing to do for a couple of hours on a Saturday afternoon. Um, so yeah, that that will come out sooner than maybe people are expecting. And actually, on all sorts of fronts, we're more organised than we've been in the past. You know, the kits for next season have been sorted for, for months already. You know, the, the season ticket plan sorted. You know, the staff plan sorted. Like we're we're ahead of we're ahead we're ahead of a lot of things. Um, yeah, just just be helpful to win for the next day. No pressure, Shane. No pressure, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what, it'd be useful to use it to win eight of the next day. And who said we can't do it? Because ultimately, uh, like I've said. And we've all said it. If if luck does even itself out over the season, then we're going to beat we're going to beat Wigan with two deflections and a penalty, and then next week Oxford are going to get four sent off and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all going to it's all going to come together, guys. What are we worried about, Joel? Exactly. It'll be fine. <laughs> Think positive. <laughs> exactly. Um, just as a matter of interest, James, have, have we got any have we got any more update yet on what's happening with the Oxford game? Because of international call-ups, because I, I don't know, you know, it, has it has it been decided yet if Greg Lee goes and Oxford have got two or three going? So no, it's not clear yet. Both both clubs could have some go, um, so we just have to wait and see what happens over the course of the next next few days. So no, not 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 clear and not confirmed yet. No, fine, thank you. And to wrap things up, Joel, any trust activity other than Quinny doing his uh, sponsored wrist slash? Yeah, not not too much more to add, really. Obviously, uh, Quinny's given us a nice little update on the Memorial Garden as well there. Uh, Wigan coach, it, it's full. Uh, sorry, but you know, it's, only, it's only a quick train ride, so we'll, we'll still make a good day of it, and hopefully we'll have lots of fans down for that. Yeah, the trains are the trains are very, very good to Wigan, and it's about it's probably about a 20-minute walk, isn't it, from the, from the train station? Yeah, around about, yeah. Yeah, something like that. You go past lots of pubs, if that's any help. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. That's not not at all what I was thinking about freeze. I don't know why you'd ever mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's it's it can get quite hot on trains, and you get quite thirsty. Just saying. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So, thank you to all the guests tonight. Obviously, uh, James for coming on and, and giving us an insight what's going on in the boardroom. 
Quinny onto the uh, internal workings of the Spanish NHS. And, uh, and Shane, thanks for, for uh, the, the input and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This has been ShrimpNet. This is the Shrimps Trust podcast. Uh, join us again next week when I will finish with, on a positive note, as I always do, with our, after we can discuss our unexpected uh, victory to nil at uh, the DW Stadium in Wigan. Uh, you heard it here first. One day, one of my predictions will be right. I promise you. Thanks for, thanks for listening or watching. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>